Ben Brock. Jason has a fool for a client. And uh, I have been. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chris Meyer. It was a message from Benjamin Ermston. Peace and justice. Father Benjamin J. Ermston from Xavier University. He declared one day, It dawned on me what our world would be like if we had a world democracy. I imagine how a democratic world federation could help global climate change, the global economy, and the suffering of war and violence. And at the head of the document, all 73 pages, is world order. Add the word new and you have it, just as... The current Pope, Pope Francis, has announced it's utterly amazing. Utterly amazing, my friends, but it's happened. Pope Francis has called for the New World Order again after the Corona's pandemic, aligning with call, with the call among globalist leaders for a great reset. In response to the Corona's pandemic, Pope Francis makes the case for Philippian church said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he talks about the mind of Christ. We are said that we have the mind of Christ. In the book of Corinthians, we're told that we have the mind of Christ. That is, if we're born again. But is it the same to say you have the mind of Christ in that sense, and also to say that you have the mind of God in the sense of God as creator, for instance. Are they two different minds, or are they all part of the same mind? A mind that is so beyond full comprehension and understanding that Christ himself had to be made flesh to at least reveal a meaningful part of the application of the mind of God. And what if mathematicians discovered a secret code embedded in math itself? Who put it there? In fact, just such a code of astounding beauty was discovered in the 1980s. It lay undiscovered until computer technology advanced to the point that otherwise tedious computations could be performed with rapid efficiency. And how could we make sense of this? Does this have anything to do, for instance, with the mind of God? The same God who built beauty into the physical world also built beauty into the abstract world of numbers. Uh Uh-oh. Some of you say, here we go. I didn't do well in math. I didn't even do well in arithmetic. Numbers, though, are a concept of quantity. They exist in the mind Numbers with a written numeral are merely physical representations of an idea. Erasing the physical number 2, for instance, is not going to cause the number 2 to cease to exist. It's a concept. The number itself is, shall we say, abstract. It can't be touched. It can't be seen. But it does exist as a concept in your mind. It's not as though some ancient human simply decided to invent the number 2, and decreed that, as you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4. 
No, humans just discovered numbers. And that means that numbers and the relationship between them existed before humans. Where? In the mind of God, from the beginning of time. So when we read in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created, he wasn't talking about the seventh inning in a baseball game. He was talking about the very beginning of all things. Everything that we can possibly comprehend and many things that we cannot possibly comprehend. But today we're going to attempt to discuss a concept that may seem utterly and totally incomprehensible. And when we discover a mathematical truth, we've discovered something about the way God thinks. Have you ever wondered how God thinks? He says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give unto you a hope and a future. But is there much more to the mind of God than that? Today we're going to take an infinitesimal glimpse into the mind of God, if we dare. Our special guest today on Viewpoint, Jason Lyle, is an astrophysicist. Now, Jason, you have been on this program before, uh, two or three times, and uh, could you please give us some qualifications? See, being that I was a former trial lawyer, when I brought a witness on the stand, an expert witness, I always had to qualify the witness so that his testimony was deemed to be believable. So what is an astrophysicist? Well, basically, an astrophysicist studies the universe, really everything beyond Earth. So it's a, it's a pretty big field. And, of course, we specialize in certain areas. My specialty was in solar astrophysics, studying the way the surface of the sun behaves. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and I earned my, uh, my Ph.D. In, phys, in astrophysics at the University of Colorado in Boulder, where I did a dissertation regarding uh, basically solar weather. And that involved a great deal of mathematics. So I, uh, I have a love for that field as well. The field of mathematics, uh, to most people, is so out there, so to speak. So much astrophysical <laughs> that people just can't seem to get their minds and hearts around numbers other than, say, if somebody writes them a check for a million dollars, they can understand that pretty well. But beyond that... Most people don't want to get into the realm of numbers and mathematics. So how in the world are we going to be able to translate the complexity of what we're about to talk about in ways that the average person can comprehend? Well, my goal is to kind of uh, get people to dip their toes in the water a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have to jump in and swim at this point. I just want to give you a taste for how beautiful math is because uh, it corresponds to the mind of God. Math is the way that God thinks about numbers. And it's a shame that most people don't realize that. They don't think about it that way. Most students go through a public school system. They're taught math from a secular perspective, which Mm -hmm. I would argue doesn't really make any sense anyway. And then they wonder, well, what you know, this is hard, and I'm just memorizing a bunch of stuff, and it's mm-hmm. not fun, and it's not useful. And so most people perceive math as boring and difficult. And But if they realize that 
you're when you learn math, you're learning to think the way God thinks about numbers. Wow. That's that's a different perspective. That and, is and, a and, different uh, perspective. It is. Yeah. But, but you said that math was beautiful. Now there is uh that is a hard concept to to embrace for most people. I mean, I loved math when I was in school. Always did well in math and uh never advanced into the uh upper realms of math, but I always loved math, but I never got into such intricacies. And yet the Bible says, for instance, it uses the phrase, the beauty of holiness. Now, most of us would not think of holiness as beautiful in that sense, but it's even more difficult for most people to think of math as beautiful. How is that possible? Yeah, yeah well, it, 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 math is abstract, but uh, I have to tell you, there are certain times, there are certain mathematical truths that I've learned that I've said, that is just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Uh-huh. I remember the first time I learned how to uh, integrate a, a bell curve and find the solution to it. You can, you can basically find the area under an infinite bell curve, and it turns out the area is finite, amazingly. And you can prove it. And I remember when I learned that how to do that, I thought, boy, that's that's ingenious. Because I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have figured it out myself. It was somebody else that figured that out, how to integrate that. And I thought, boy, that is a beautiful, beautiful proof. Now that's a type of beauty that you know not everybody gets to appreciate. God gives us all different gifts, and we're all able to appreciate different aspects of God's creation. Well, you're the but guy today. The, uh, you are the guy today, yeah. Jason, and you're going to have to be a proper translator here. I'm going to give you all the realm that you can, uh, and I'm going to facilitate this, but friends, look for the beauty in math today. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. It's been said that the God who gave us life gave us liberty. Have you ever thought about touching liberty? Can you see it? No. Can you take a picture of it? No. It's complex. It's an abstraction. It's an idea. It's a concept. In the same way, math itself is an abstraction or a concept. You can't touch it. You can touch a check with a million dollars written on it, but that itself isn't math. It's just a representation of a number. So if we were to delve more deeply into the realm of numbers, if we were to delve more deeply into perhaps the reflection of numbers in the entire creation itself, what might we find? Might it be more amazing and more beautiful than you could possibly even imagine? And that this could be in the realm of mathematics? Our guest today says, absolutely. In fact, he says, the only way we can understand the universe really, ultimately, and delve even 
in a small way into the mind of God is through mathematics. Well, uh, the book today is called Fractals, and therein in we're going to have to define a term. Fractals, the secret code of creation. I want to repeat that. The secret code of creation. Now, we're not talking about secret codes in terms of prophecy right now. We're talking about the inner, most inner, 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 inner workings of the world as we understand it, the earth, the universe as we understand it. And our guest today says it's all related to something called fractals, F-R-A-C-T-A-L-S. So that being the case, in order to comprehend somewhat of what our guest today is going to be talking about, you're going to need to get a copy of his unbelievable book. Well, it should be believable, but it seems unbelievable because it is so beyond the mind and heart of most of us. It's a $30 book, yours for $29. It's called Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation. And uh, it's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879. Richmond, Virginia, 23255. When you're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And by the way, what you are going to find is the most amazing figures, colors, displays coming from the mind of God. Right there on the pages of this book, it is, well, almost beyond belief, but it is real. So make sure you get your copy so that you can better understand what we're talking about here today on Viewpoint. But Jason Lyle joining us from uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, do you get these images by climbing to the top of the 14,000-foot peaks there in uh, Colorado? <laughs> well, you can see things that are similar, but the uh, the pictures that you see in this book are, are not something that... Uh, uh, exist in the physical universe, at least in the first part of the book. Mm-hmm. They exist conceptually. They exist in the world of numbers. And, it, and I've had people ask me, you know, Dr. Lyle, who did the cover to your book? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I have to be honest with you, that cover, no human being drew that. That shape is built into numbers by the creator of numbers. That, that shape is from God. Every, every picture you see in this book, uh, all these wonderful, beautiful shapes, no human being drew that. Uh, those shapes are built into numbers by, I would say, the creator of numbers, by God. And they weren't discovered really until the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading about this when I was in, uh, when I was in school back in the 80s, and, and I thought, boy, this is amazing. This is absolutely phenomenal. How do you, how do you explain this? And, of course, the secularists can't uh, because they don't have a basis for the origin of numbers, whereas the Christian can say, well, I can explain this because I've got a God who made numbers. We don't think about God making numbers, but he's responsible for them. They come from his mind. We think about God making physical things, but he, he made the abstract world of math as well. And so he built beauty into it. And it wasn't until the 1980s that this was discovered. And wow, it's astonishing. And so I'd encourage people to leaf through the book and take a look at some of these pictures and recognize that God's mind is amazing and beautiful. It has to be amazing. Uh, we don't have the Bible telling us about fractals. Uh, we don't have the Bible telling us about uh, how God created things mathematically. 
We know that he created man in his image, but uh, apparently he didn't create my mind, uh, even though some people, as I was growing up, thought that I had a pretty good mind in mathematics. But compared to what you're talking about here, uh, my mind basically is not beyond one plus one. And uh, it's, it's astounding that he could say that he's created man in his image. What are we talking about here? Well, you know, the, the infinite God, he can do what he wants. The Bible says he, all, all things were made by him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Exactly. And so that would necessarily include mathematical truth. <laughs> so although that's not, although they're not explicitly mentioned in Scripture, the Bible does use math. It uses it properly. Uh, in Genesis, you'll find certain genealogies listed. They'll mm-hmm. say, and so-and-so begat so-and-so at an age, and then they lived after that age, and then it adds it up. You get the total age, sure enough, it's right. So God does understand math. He, uh, he is responsible for it. And throughout history, human beings have discovered new mathematical truths. And uh, the, the Greeks, when they ended up discovering the so-called irrational numbers, they were very perplexed by that. They were surprised that such things existed, but they had, they had to exist. God gave people the mind, uh, a mind that's made in God's image, and therefore has the capacity to think, at least on a limited, uh, on a, on a limited creaturely level, mm-hmm. in a way that's consistent with God's character. And so God has allowed us to discover some of these wonderful truths. Okay. And one of the things that was really interesting uh, early on in the 20th century, uh, mathematicians were playing with this idea of chaos. You've probably heard of that. Mm-hmm. And it, it has to do with, um, they, they discovered these little um, formulae that there's some formula that if you put a number into it and, and, and you run it through the formula, you get an, an output, you get a new number a- output, and you put it back in, you do this many times, it's called a recursive algorithm, where you run it through the formula many times, mm-hmm. they would discover that in some cases, the output would get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and in other cases, it wouldn't. It would kind of stay small, or, or maybe peter down to zero, and, and they couldn't tell just by looking at the number in the formula if it would get bigger or, or smaller, if it, would, if it would increase without limit or stay bound. Is this, so is this what somebody, you're talking about in the book called Complex Dynamics? Uh, complex dynamics is related to that. Yes, mm-hmm. complex okay. dynamics is yes, it's related to that. So, and you can imagine, um, it was it was tedious to do these calculations back in the early 20th century because we didn't have things like computers or electronic calculators. Right. But by the 1980s, computers were starting to get fast enough that they could that they could test these formula relatively quickly. And somebody, it occurred to somebody, let's make a plot. Maybe we can see if there's a pattern here. Because you can't tell just by looking at the number whether it'll stay small, whether it belongs to the set, mm-hmm. or whether it gets big and therefore does not belong to the set. And so they said, let's make a map of it. And a computer can do that because it can check each point, and it doesn't mind doing these tedious calculations, uh, <laughs> billions of them. Mm-hmm. And, and the map they got was phenomenal. The map they got was something that no one was expecting, and it's called the Mandelbrot set. After Benoit Mandelbrot, he was a programmer that worked at IBM, and a, a, a brilliant guy, and uh, he popularized this set. And they found that if you zoom in on it, you get incredible beauty and complexity. And that's really what the, the this book is about. The first half of the book is just let's let's explore this amazing shape that God has built into numbers, uh, revealed when you run it through this little formula. We're just looking at the map of which points belong, and it turns out to be remarkably beautiful. And fascinating, and so I just wanted to share this this uh-huh. new universe that we never knew was there until the 1980s, and, and now everybody can know about it because we we can have computers that can that can explore this shape that's that's been there from eternity past. It's just we haven't had the technology to explore it. Well, I had a new universe that opened to me in my law practice uh, right there at the same time that this was discovered. 
when I got my hmm. first used desktop computer. <laughs> ah, <yes>. <laughs> Cost me $4,000 for a computer that would just do uh, word processing, and that was about it. Uh, but boy, did it open up my uh, law practice and my ability to function and to function more effectively. But what, uh, when we go back to the 1970s, 1980s, then with the advent of the computer, uh, what it seems to me is that God in the infinite nature of his thinking and of his mind was progressively revealing that he is far more than what people have been willing to credit him with since Darwin, for instance, and uh, that, in fact, he is coming back. Jesus is coming back sooner than, than we would expect. But the revelation of the magnificence of the God of creation, the veil is being pulled away. Starting right there in the late 1970s, early 1980s, the veil being pulled away so that the magnificence of the mind of God began to be revealed. Oh, yes, and I feel very blessed to live in this time where we've, ama- where we've discovered just such an amazing universe that the Lord's made. I mean, all people have always had access to some of God's revelation. You can look up in the night sky on a cloudless night or just see the Milky Way. It's stunning. But then thanks to modern technology, we can zoom in on that, and you find it's even more stunning. You look at these wonderful Hubble images of the physical universe, mm-hmm. and then lo and behold, in the 1980s, we discover there's a whole universe there in, in, in the land of math that we haven't explored. We didn't even know about it. And it's got beauty in it, too, beauty that, that rivals beauty that God's built into his physical universe. And so I just wanted to share this with people and also to point out to them that, that, that the shapes they're seeing in this book make no sense if you're not a Christian. You cannot account for them. You can't make sense of them unless you serve the biblical God and believe in Him, because it's only an infinite mind, a mind that appreciates beauty, who could build these beautiful shapes, and they are infinite. That's, that's another aspect of these fractals. You zoom in on them, and you can zoom in on them forever, and they continue to be beautiful, and you get new structures at smaller and smaller scales forever. And wow. that's something that we don't have in the physical universe. In the physical universe, you get down to atoms, and then the structure kind of is a little different, and you get into the quantum realm, and it's kind of weird. But uh, this is the realm of math. You can go on to infinity, and that that makes sense in light of the fact that God's mind is infinite. And so we have a little window into that when we explore these fractals. It gives uh, all new meaning to the words alpha and omega, doesn't The beginning and the end. It does. Yeah. I am the alpha yeah. and omega, the beginning and the end, uh, we don't understand the beginning other than the God said in the beginning he created. And we don't understand the end except as discovered, as revealed in biblical prophecy, which we talk about here on this program so regularly. But this is where this concept, this discussion fits. And uh, to reveal with ever-increasing uh, beauty, you use that word, the mind of God as revealed in and through the field of mathematics that seems to be woven throughout all of the universe, all of creation, that the only way we can understand the universe and the creation is ultimately through mathematics. Is that right? Well, yes. 
and in light of the fact that God's mind is responsible for mathematics. So we need to have a biblical worldview if we're going to make sense of this universe. And, and there's, a, there's a significant discussion in the book about, you know, can other worldviews make sense of this? And really, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. There's, it really is only the, the Christian worldview. I mean, biologists like to explain the complexity in the living world by evolution. They say, well, that the animals didn't start complex. They started very simple and then got more complex. Now, that there's problems with that, of course. I would reject that view. But you can't even start to apply that to math because it's not like numbers evolved. It's not like seven used to be three and then it evolved. I mean, numbers evolved. <laughs> well, wait a minute. For there. some people, that is true in their mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can think that, but they can't build a building that way. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, there are some who tried to. Just yeah, look at the Leaning Tower class. Pisa. <laughs> there you go, yeah. If okay. you want to build a building that works, you better use God's math. That's all I can That's say. right. You better lay a proper foundation. And it has been said that uh, the only way that science can truly be science is if there was a creator that created things in such an orderly way, which we're talking about mathematically, that it could be discovered. How is it that modern so-called science has deviated so much from that initial understanding. We've forgotten our roots. It was common knowledge to scientists of the past, to the founding fathers of many, many of the fields of science, most of the fields of science, they were Christians. And they expected to find patterns in nature because they believed in an orderly God who has imposed order on his creation. Now, we've, we've benefited from the the the. Uh, benefits of Christian thinking. We've we've gleaned a lot from that, but we've forgotten our roots. Beginning really in the 1700s, uh, there were some scientists who just didn't like God, and they wanted to divorce yeah. science from the Bible. And, well, and we're going to get we're going to we're going to reunite uh, in the balance of this conversation here today on Viewpoint, friends. We're talking about fractals, the secret code of creation. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website saveus.org that's saveus.org also on chuck's website listen to chuck's viewpoint broadcast listen to the archives maybe you missed a program check it out at saveus.org also there are some great resources hospitality information also information about marriage divorce and remarriage newsletters articles prophecy Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're talking with Jason Lyle, an astrophysicist, concerning a subject called fractals, which he calls the secret code of creation. And in this second half of the program, we're going to unfold uh, that, give some Uh, definition to that, but we've been trying to set a context uh, for an understanding of mathematics as a mind of God revealed in our time and increasingly being revealed as God pulls back or unveils the mystery of his own mind in mathematics. Now that has a ring to it, Jason, 
the mystery of God's mind in mathematics. All that wonderful oh, alliteration. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking back <clears throat> during the break concerning an experience that I had in junior high school in Fresno, California. They, this was the, uh, the uh, Sputnik era, and uh, the study of mathematics and emphasis on mathematics was exploding. And uh, my mind and my heart were in that big time, and all of my friends were in the realm of mathematics and science. Well, one of those, when we were studying algebra in the eighth grade, he was in the uh, university studying calculus at the age of 13. He was with the big boys. At least that's how we saw it. Well, that big boy, his name was Vern Poitras, ended up going to Caltech. When he went to the pre preliminary, excuse me, the preeminent uh, engineering school in the country, Caltech in Pasadena, California, he tested out of the first five math courses in the most advanced mathematical institution in the country. He just tested right out of it. His mind was so much beyond the mind of others. He could perform calcula calculations of immense uh, intricacy while he stood and talked to you about a completely different subject. That's the friend that I had. And I thought he had the mind beyond all minds, the true genius of my memory. But the mind of God would put my friend Vern Poitras to shame. He was only able to understand those things in a small way because of God's immense mind. How can we comprehend God's immense mind, Lyle? It's beyond <laughs> comprehension, well, isn't it? It is. It really is. And, and my goal is just to give people a little glimpse into that, into that window. Uh, I experience it every day because I, I, I'm very blessed to have uh, gotten to study astrophysics and gotten to look into God's universe and see the way God upholds his creation. And, mm -hmm. and to think, you know, that, you know, there's probably 100 billion stars in our galaxy and, and countless numbers of atoms in each star. And God is, God is right now controlling each one of those and causing it to move in the way that it moves. And that's the kind of mind that we, we can't comprehend it. We take it by faith, mm -hmm. it, it, but, but it's a faith that we, we, we observe, too. It's a faith that when we look out into the universe, we see that, yes, indeed, the mind who's responsible for all this, that's, that's a mind. I mean, you, you could imagine taking apart a physical contraption. A lot of times when I have something that breaks, I like to take it apart and see how it worked or how it used to work anyway, and I'm amazed by the design that people put into their machines. That's pretty impressive. But the, the design that God has put into, into math, for example, is infinite. You can, you can zoom in on that machine, and you, see, you, know, you can imagine zooming in on a physical machine and seeing smaller and smaller gears, but eventually mm -hmm. that's it. Not, on, not in God's machine. They, keep, they go on forever. You can see spirals upon spirals that go into infinity, and you think, wow, that, that's, that's kind of a glimpse into what it's like to think about things from an infinite perspective. And God's given us the rationality. There's actually a whole branch of mathematics that deals with infinity, and there's there's different types of infinities, amazingly, and some are wow. bigger than others, and, and it's it's phenomenal. And it's just something that we can't quite we can't quite get there, and yet we can use God's laws of God's laws of logic, God's laws of mathematics to conclude truths that are beyond our ability to comprehend. And I think that's the the real wonder of mathematics. Well, we wouldn't even be able to have computers that we take so much for granted if it had not been for God's 
creation of the very concept of mathematics, would we? That's right. And the fact that the physical universe obeys mathematical laws. And that's something, too, that I find very interesting, Mm -hmm. something that I discuss in the book, and something that only the Christian worldview can make sense of, because in the Christian worldview, the physical universe is upheld by the mind of God. Math reflects the mind of God. So, of course, the physical universe will obey math. All right, so what is a fractal, then? What is a A fractal? fractal A fractal is a shape that, uh, when you zoom in on it, you get smaller versions of that shape. And the Mandelbrot set is one example of a fractal. When you plot, when you make a map of the Mandelbrot set, it looks kind of like a, there's a heart-shaped feature and then circles growing off of it. Mm-hmm. And when you zoom in, there's, you find that there's a tail and there's a little bump on the tail. When you zoom in on that little bump on the tail, you find it's the same thing. It's a heart feature with circles growing off of it. It looks like the entire shape. So it's and like it's the concept of an echo in shapes. It kind of is on an mm-hmm. increasingly smaller scale. You zoom mm-hmm. in, you see the kind of the whole thing. You zoom in some more, you see the whole thing again. It's, it's truly remarkable, and that's something that, again, I think reflects God's thinking. Okay. So the word fractal didn't come out of outer space somewhere, did it? No, it came actually, it, it's uh, from a foreign language. It means broken, because these shapes look kind of like they're, they're broken in a way, in, in a way that's very beautiful, like when, perhaps when glass breaks and the way it shatters is very, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is very uh, attractive. So that's where they come from. And there are fractals other than mathematical kinds. There are fractals in nature, too. But, uh, and again, I would, I would argue that the, that the biblical God makes sense of that, because if we see fractals in math, and it, which reflects God's thinking, well, the, universe reflect, the physical universe reflects God's thinking, too. And so we would expect to find fractals there as well. And we do. I think uh, it's fascinating. That, uh, I think it's fascinating that uh, you say there are three types of geometric state, uh, st- shapes, but the most prominent is the heart-shaped structure called a cardioid. Well, yes. isn't that interesting to me when I see that, when I see the image of it and I hear the word, it's almost like the mind of God is a reflection of the heart of God. Yes, that's certainly true. And it, 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 the... You know, when I when I look at these shapes, it it does elicit worship in me. Worship not of the shapes, but of mm-hmm. the Lord who made right. them. Yeah, it really is remarkable. Okay, and you keep talking about this Mandelbrot set uh, that has an infinite number of smaller versions of itself that are built into itself, and that this type of structure is called a fractal. And again, for those who might be just tuning in, Mandelbrot, where in the world does that term come from? Uh, it comes from a man, Benoit Mandelbrot, who was a programmer at IBM and was one of the first people, maybe not the very first, but one of the first to explore this shape and to popularize it. And I think if Mandelbrot hadn't been around, not many people would know about these things. And so I'm glad that he that he promoted these because they are fascinating. And I remember reading a book back in, oh, it must have been 89 or 90 uh, that had that talked about these uh, shapes and, and about how they're the formula that, that, that allows you to see them. And I thought, well, I could do that. I wrote a little computer program, and sure enough, there, it popped out this shape, and I started zooming in on it. Of course, computers were a lot slower back then. Today, mm-hmm. my phone has more power than, than <laughs> the computers back then. But uh, I started exploring the shape myself and found out it's incredibly beautiful. There are different valleys on it that have these amazing, beautiful shapes. There's a valley of seahorses. It looks, it looks, they look like little seahorses. But mm-hmm. you can zoom in on them infinitely, and they have baby versions of themselves built in. There's a valley of double spirals, a valley of elephants. And uh, so, so it, it, I just wanted to, in the book, I wanted to share these shapes with people. And uh, I've got, I'm including a program, too, the computer program. If you want to explore these yourself, you can, if you have a computer, you can 
uh, run this program and, and zoom in on these shapes. And keep in mind, the computer's not producing this, these shapes. It's just it's discovering them. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, a microscope doesn't make bacteria. It just allows you to see it. Right. And so the computers allow us to see these shapes that have been built into math from eternity past by the Lord. But uh, only recently can, have, have computers been fast enough to do these calculations quickly. So and the, the computer are amazing. The computer is actually iterating uh, yes. what is already there. Uh, it's not copying it, but it is revealing it. Uh, what is there. And you you have indicated there that uh, these fractals, if you zoomed in by a factor, say, of a billion or a hundred quadrillion, if we could even get our minds around such numbers, we would see the same basic shape no matter how much we zoomed in. And so this property of the fractals, you say, is called scale invariance, which gives me a whole new understanding of the concept that God changes not. He's invariable. Yeah. He changes not from from beginning to end, from eternity past to eternity future. He changes not. He's invariable. That's right. And that's a form of self-consistency. And we see that consistency in mathematics itself, not just in terms of the fact that numbers don't change or their, their relationships don't change, but now we see it in these fractal shapes that when you zoom in on increasingly smaller versions of them, you get the same basic shape. It's quite remarkable. And uh, it, again, gives you just a little window into the mind of God. Friends, if you'd like to get a little window into the mind of God uh, right in front of your eyes, then you might want to just consider getting a copy of this amazing book. Uh, it's like nothing else we have ever looked at concerning this radio program in 26 and a half years. We've done many programs concerning science, concerning creation, and so on, but never one concerning fractals and what our guest calls the secret code of creation. It's a $30 book, yours for $29, full of color, shapes, and prints that are just uh, mind-boggling, really, but they're coming from the mind of God. And... uh, It's yours on our website, saveus.org. It's called Fractals, the Secret Code of Creation. On our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, uh, we have in the Bible the fourth book of the Torah or the Pentateuch called the Book of Numbers. The Book of Numbers. And, uh, or is it the third book? Anyway, it's there among the five books of the Pentateuch. And uh, the Book of Numbers is about numbers. And a lot of people think, oh, well, I don't want to waste any time with that. But apparently God didn't consider numbers a waste of time, did he, Jason? <laughs> that's right. I've always been uh, delighted that there's a book in the Bible that's called Numbers. That's, that's pretty neat. <laughs> it, it, does show, it does show that God appreciates, that God appreciates math. And I, and I know, you know, some of, those, some of those kind of details that we read in Scripture, and you're thinking, well, that's a little bit boring. But there's a reason why God put those there. They're, yes, they're there is. They're going to tell us that these books are real. That they're, they're recording real history. It's not like a parable. Right. You, don't, you wouldn't we'll be have right back. And parables. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? 
Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Our guest today says... We have seen that a secret code of tremendous complexity and beauty resides in mathematics. How can we make sense of this? What is the explanation? He said, I'm suggesting that the mind of God is ultimately responsible for the infinite beauty and complexity found in the Mandelbrot set, but not everyone agrees with this assessment. Atheists obviously would not appeal to God to make sense of fractals, but can they offer a better explanation? Can any religion other than Christianity make sense of fractals? His answer is no. But why is that, Jason? Well, if you think about the atheistic worldview, there's no God in that worldview. So what? how do they explain math? Mm-hmm. It can't be the creation of God if there's no God. So yeah, and where did it come from? The very concept of math, yeah. where did it come from? Yeah. Yeah. Now, they might say, well, people invented it, but then I would say, if it's something people invented, then we could have invented it differently. So we could have, and frankly, different cultures could have invented it differently. You know, if it's like uh, legal laws, if mathematical laws were like that, well, different countries have different legal laws. In the United States, we drive on the right side of the road. On Australia, it's the left side of the road. But mathematics isn't like that. Mathematics is not like, you know, well, here in Australia, 2 plus 2 equals 7. No, it's the same everywhere. And and if you want it, you know, if if you want your architect to build buildings that work, you better use the math that everybody else uses. It has a universality to it, and that means it can't be the creation of, of people. The fact also that the Greeks, when they discovered irrational numbers, the Greeks hated that. They they liked rational numbers, numbers that could be expressed as uh, one integer divided by another. But then there are constants like pi. You know, it's got three point one four one five. It goes on forever. Wait a minute, you're that. you're they getting my that. you're you're getting my taste buds active when you mention pi. Uh, it's it's a so-called irrational number, meaning it cannot be expressed as a ratio of two integers. It's the but we know it's the ratio of the circumference to diameter mm-hmm. in a circle. Mm-hmm. And the Greeks discovered irrational numbers, and the fact is they didn't want to. And see, to me, that that shows that they can't just be an invention of people, because you wouldn't invent something you hated. You wouldn't invent something that you didn't want. Uh, the fact is, mathematical truths are discovered, and sometimes people have not been happy with, with the discovery, like the Greeks were when it came to those ira- those pesky irrational numbers. Well, the Roman Catholic the Church wasn't like very happy with Galileo, was it? Were they? That's right. So sometimes what we discover in the real world uh, does not match our expectations. But that my point is, mathematics cannot be uh, the creation of people. It wouldn't make sense. Frankly, the you know the the math universe obeys math. 
And the universe was obeying math before people existed, whether you take the Christian position or the secular position. Okay, now wait a minute. Uh, you said the universe is obeying math. But to obey yeah. math what? means there has to be something, someone, that has created the math for it to be obeyed. My point exactly. Kepler's laws, for example, uh, Kepler's third law says the period squared of a planet equals its distance from the sun cubed. It's per, the period squared is proportional to the distance to the sun cubed. Now, human beings discovered that. Kepler discovered that. He was a devout Christian, by the way. He expected to make discoveries because God upholds his universe in a consistent way. But my point is that can't be something that human beings created because we weren't around yet when the planets were orbiting the sun for at least a few days, mm-hmm. and in the secular view, for millions of years. So my point is mathematics is not the creation of people. And I explore other ideas, too. Could it be a property of the universe? And Well, no, because there are some mathematical truths that go beyond the universe. We can use math to compute volumes in four dimensions, hypervolumes in four dimensions, something that you can't do in the physical universe because we have only the three dimensions of space and one of time. And so there's even a thing called Hilbert space in mathematics that has an infinite number of dimensions. Mm. Well, the physical universe doesn't. So my point is math cannot be merely a reflection of the physical universe. The physical universe obeys math, but that's different. So a polytheistic religion... Uh, can't make sense of universal laws of mathematics because they're universal. So the concept of multiculturalism, religious pluralism, uh, which all expressions of political correctness, just does not connect with the world of mathematics, which is absolute. In a polytheistic system, you'd expect different gods would have different laws of math. Mm-hmm. And so different regions, you know, which because in, in the polytheistic religions, usually different gods ruled over different regions. And so, you know, as you went from one city to the next, you'd have to change your math. Well, that's not true to reality. Math doesn't work that way. It's universal. And that makes sense because the biblical God is sovereign over the entire universe. And uh, one of the things that is, is interesting to me is secularists have not been able to explain how the, why the physical universe obeys mathematical laws. In fact, there was a brilliant physicist, Eugene Wigner, writing from his apparently non-Christian perspective. He was a Nobel Prize-winning physicist. This guy's no slouch. And he wrote a wonderful article called The Unreasonable Effectiveness of Mathematics in the Natural Sciences. He was trying to figure out how, how is it that the universe obeys math? Why is that the case? Mm-hmm. And let me, let me give you a quick quote from Wigner. He says, quote, the miracle of the appropriateness of the language of mathematics for the formulation of the laws of physics is a wonderful gift which we neither understand nor deserve, end quote. <laughs> so, so it's, it's a gift in the world. For something to be a gift, there has to be a giver. There has to be a giver, that's right. And, of course, that's, I, I would argue that see, even the most ardent atheist knows God in his heart of hearts but resists that God. That's what Romans 1 teaches us. Mm-hmm. And so we know, we know that we should be grateful for things. You'll find even atheists are grateful for things. They just don't know who to be grateful to because well, they've rejected the God. Well, exactly. Uh, even the very concept of gratitude implies uh, something or someone to be grateful to. And uh, it's at that point of beginnings that uh, the atheist or agnostic and so on fails in all of their agendas and uh, end up with, uh, well, if not a reprobate mind, they certainly end up with confusion of mind. And Einstein, as, as fantastic a mind as Einstein had, even though he was basically flunked out of school, uh, when he came up with E equals MC squared, uh, even he, as I recall, 
made clear his understanding that somehow with all of this mathematics, there had to be a creator. Oh, yes. He was, as far as I can tell, Einstein was a deist, so he mm-hmm. never had a, uh, you know, a faithful, uh, sal- right. salvific faith in God, but he did understand there's a God, certainly. Yeah. So then we have a guy like Johann Kepler that you mentioned, and he said, and this is an amazing quote, to do math is to think God's thoughts after him. Yes. That's an amazing statement. What was in his mind when he said that, do you think? Well, he's thinking of the fact that the physical universe obeys mathematical laws. It was Kepler that discovered what we now call the three laws of planetary motion, which explains the behavior of the planets in our solar system. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, takes a, it takes a clever mind to figure that out, because you might say, well, you know, I've seen, I've seen depictions of the solar system in textbooks, and you can mm-hmm. see the planets orbiting in ellipses. But Kepler, all Kepler had was a list of numbers. He didn't have a computer. He had a list of numbers of the positions of planets taken by Tycho Brahe. And keep in mind, we're on one planet that's moving, watching other planets move. So you have to solve two equations simultaneously. And Kepler did it. He figured it out. What a mind. What a mind. And it's about Christian. And then I'm thinking of a guy like uh, uh, Sir Francis uh, Newton and... uh, you know, I, I wrote a paper on him, uh, on his Principia, Sir Isaac Newton, uh, mm-hmm. in in uh, high school. Uh, what an amazing guy. He's the guy that invented calculus, for those of you that have studied calculus or are doing so currently. But there's a guy who some have said was the most amazing, one of the most amazing mathematicians ever in history. In fact, one of the most amazing scientists ever in history and yet he truly also believed that the only way that you could even have science to study is because of a creator who had made things with such amazing orderliness and complexity. Oh, yes, indeed. Newton, Newton certainly was, a, was a, believed in the biblical God. He may have been unorthodox in some of his theology, but he certainly had a brilliant mind and made more discoveries than any one person you could expect to make today he discovered the entire field of optics, calculus, laws of motion and gravity. Uh, it's just, just astonishing. And even invented the reflecting telescope to deal with the problem of chromatic aberration. So what a mind. And, and interestingly, Newton, that. it is said that Newton wrote more about biblical prophecy than he did about mathematics. Isn't that interesting? He, did. he, thought, he thought he would be remembered for his biblical uh, commentary rather than his scientific discoveries, amazingly. <laughs> Okay, so when we see these fractals, the secret code of creation, why do you call it the secret code of creation? Well, it's something that no human being knew about before 1978. It's been in there all along. It's, it's a code in the sense that it's not something that, that you can, you have to decipher it. You have to run it through the little formula. Mm-hmm. But it's built into math, and therefore by the creator of math. The secret code of creation. Now, if that is the secret code of creation, then it would seem to my uh, finite mind that that secret code would be reflected then in the creation that we can see. How is is that reflected? It is. There are certain things in nature that also have a fractal quality because they're obeying God-given math. 
Mm-hmm. Snowflakes, when you zoom in on them, they still they tend to look like smaller versions of the original. Mm-hmm. Certain cloud formations, when you zoom in them, they, they look fractal. The way mountains divide looks fractal. Certain coastlines, the way they divide look fractal. Lightning, the way it branches is fractal. So we do find fractals in the physical world. How about tree branches? Tree branches, absolutely. Yeah, because they branch and then they branch into more branches and they branch into further branches. So that would be another example. One that I loved when I was a kid was when the, the, the – um, Ice would form sometimes on certain days of the year when it was winter and it was cold. Ice would form on the window and it would form these beautiful shapes. I thought, how is that happening? Well, now I know. It's obeying math. And uh, fractals come out in math. That's what happens. So, and we'd expect this as a Christian because it's God who's upholding the physical creation. And it's God whose mind is responsible for fractals in the abstract world of mathematics as well. In the 1970s, there was a song that came out, How Big Is God?, how big and great his vast domain. To try to tell, these lips can only start. And as we're talking about this, Jason, uh, hopefully for those who are listening, uh, they're saying, you know, I don't know how to get my mind around the fundamental math of all of this, but I can get my mind and heart around the, the greater concept that God is so much greater than anything that we can ask or think that we can conceive of and in doing so would you not would a human being not be reduced to humility to bow down ultimately and worship such a creator well it's certainly uh it certainly induced that in me uh when i when i discovered how these things worked it made me want to bow down and worship god and i hope that that Christians who read this book will have that same experience, and I hope non-Christians will read the book and realize that God is exactly who the Bible says he is, and that they'll trust in him for salvation, become saved. Yeah, I really hope that's the case. I do have to point out that the book is, is really an easy read. I mean, it's hard. Some of these things on the radio are hard to explain, but when you see them, you go, oh, okay, I see what you're talking about there. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's enjoyable, and, and I think even kids, will they'll, they'll pick it up and look at the pictures because it's, it's pretty. And the point I want people to take away is that no human being drew these pictures. These pictures are built into numbers by God. You know what What just came to my mind as I'm looking at some of these pictures? A lot of them look like Paisley. I have a yeah. feeling that Paisley came out of uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the fractal concept or something. There, there's, it's just absolutely magnificent the way the colors are mixed, the shapes are... Uh, are just amazing. Yes. Just amazing. Well, there, there's, we're made in God's image, so we have a sense of beauty that uh, follows from the fact that we're made in His image, after His likeness. And you and I haven't even had to go into uh, equations and formulas, because those might be beyond the mind and, and will of uh, so many of our listeners, but the concept that we're talking about uh, is not beyond our ability to at least... Uh, consider. And friends, this we're, we're exploring actually the mind of God here, a creator who is beyond anything and everything that you and I can possibly comprehend. How great and big is God, how great and vast his vast domain, 